subject of uh, stress, anxiety is, is one that's pertinent today, maybe more than any other time in history. So as a church, I thought it was important for us to address it pretty quickly. The context of this reading is from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and so he's already said a lot before he comes to this point. And what he's doing is he's equipping his disciples to go out. I mean, there are others listening on, but he's especially talking to his disciples and equipping them to go out away from him with almost nothing in the way of possession. All right, so think about that context as you, as you hear these words about how they are to, to approach even things like food and clothes and drink. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet, I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first His kingdom, the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of our God will stand forever. Heavenly Father, now, may these words, and the words of my mouth, and the the thoughts and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight and helpful in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So it sounds easy, right? Said it three times. Just don't be anxious. Don't be anxious, right? You hear some people tell stories about you know, helping somebody to not be anxious, and they just keep telling them, well, just stop. Just just stop. It, it doesn't help. I mean, Jesus said, don't be anxious. Well, let me ask you two questions to start with. First, what makes you anxious? I mean, what what are the things in your life? Is it is it finances or, um, or schoolwork? Is it uh, your children or your boss? Or your employees who aren't getting their work done. Or something that the city's doing that keeps you from doing what you need to do. 
right? There's, there's all kinds of things that cause us anxiety. And then the second question, like it, what are the things that you do to, to help reduce the anxiety, right? I was walking this morning and I saw somebody doing Tai Chi out in the field, right? Or, or yoga or exercise or, you know, wearing a yellow shirt or, or whatever, whatever it is. I mean, I think that some of those things are good things to do and they're helpful to, to overcome some anxiety, but I think all of us have realized that they, they really reach an end, right? They don't ultimately help us with that stress. And it's, it's not as easy to say, as saying just, just buck up, right? Just set aside the stress, even though Jesus says it three times. There's, there's more to what he's teaching here about how, what causes a stress in life? And then, and then how we can really set stress aside and put it away and experience freedom from anxiety. So I want to begin with, with these two questions. First, what is it that causes us anxiety? And then second, what's Jesus saying as, a, as a, an antidote? What's he saying that we should do that we, would, we, should, we would, might be able to, to set anxiety aside? First thing, what causes us anxiety? I was interested when I saw this, this verb, right? Do not be anxious, what it, what it means. And so I started to go and, and research it a little bit. And, and the Greek verb here, I don't do this too often, but the Greek verb is, is merimnao. And it happens a few other times in Scripture. It ha- Jesus, t- again, tells his disciples not to be anxious just a few verses later. And then you remember the story where Mary and Martha, two women that were friends of Jesus, are hosting Jesus in their home. And Mary sits down at Jesus' feet and listens to what he's teaching. And, and Martha goes off to the kitchen and stresses out over everything that needs to be done. You know, here's an important guest. So we got we to gotta get this stuff done. Why are you just sitting there, Mary? And Jesus says, Martha... You're anxious about many things. Don't be anxious. Paul, when he's writing a letter to the church in the city of Philippi, chapter 4, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. So it sounds like it's pretty onerous, right? Just one instruction after another. Just don't be anxious. But, but Paul, just earlier in that same letter, uses this word, merimnao, in a really interesting way. He commends his, his young apprentice, Timothy, you know who he wrote two letters to, Timothy, pastor. He commends Timothy for his merimnao for the Philippian believers. For his, his anxiety for the believers, it doesn't quite work, right? He commends Timothy for his deep concern for others. His deep concern for others. And notice that that's directed outward and not inward. Right? All those things that Jesus has been talking about are really anxieties that are directed inward. They're concerned for what 
I will eat or what I will wear or what I'm going to look like in front of Jesus when He's sitting in my house. But Paul says, Timothy, it's great that you have this deep concern, this merimnao for others, and I commend you for it. But when we understand this deep concern, it also uncovers a whole other world of what anxiety is in our life. Because anxiety in our life, the things that cause us stress in our lives, are these deep concerns that get put all out of proportion to the others and things in life. These concerns that consume our mind, that consume our thoughts, that consume our actions, and we go through all of life trying to make sure that we have food in our mouths and clothing on us and that our reputation is good in front of others. And it blocks out the deeper concerns that Jesus wants us to have concerns for others and ultimately our concern for God ultimately our hope in God's promises ultimately our hope in his good righteousness his laws that instruct us on how to live right they you know this right you know how these things get in the way of pursuing the bigger the greater things in life get in the way of us seeing and understanding and appreciating the, the providence of God. That's not a word we use a lot in the church today. I, in fact, I was listening to Tim Keller preach a sermon on this passage, and, and he, he, said, he said that for most New Yorkers, Tim Keller's a pastor in New York, he's also the author of this book that we're reading, The Prodigal God, and he said for most New Yorkers, providence is the capital of Rhode Island. You know, I mean, for most of us, Providence is the capital of Rhode Island as well, I think. But we don't talk about how God provides for His people. We don't talk about how our lack of understanding of how God provides for His people cause us, causes us anxiety in our life. The word Providence, right? It's just provide ants. Right? It's, it's how God provides for His people. And if, if we did understand more of how God provides for His people, but Jesus is saying this to His disciples, if you would just understand more about how God provides for you, your anxiety would go away. In fact, the, the summary, the summary of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount really is found at the end of this passage in verse 33. Look with me. For the Gentiles, sorry, 32. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Here's the summary. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things, all these things that you're anxious about, all these things that you're stressed out about, will be added to you. The deep concerns of life make us 
try to gain control of our own life because we are afraid that God's not really going to be good to His promises. That He's not really going to provide the things that He promised. And listen, God doesn't put us quite to the test that He put His disciples to, right? God is sending out His disciples. Jesus is sending out His disciples. Excuse me, Jesus' disciples. We're all God's disciples. We're all Jesus' disciples as well. But Jesus' 12 disciples here... He sends them out. He says, don't take an extra cloak or an extra tunic. Ancient words, basically, it's don't take an extra shirt or coat. Right? Don't take extra money for your journey. Don't take extra food. I'm going to show you that God is going to provide everything that you need. And Jesus was able to push them a little bit further because they had been walking with Jesus so much. But I think God wants to push us even further. Jesus wants to push us even further in trusting in Him in our life when we apply the Sermon on the Mount to our own lives. But what does it mean to seek His righteousness? What does righteousness mean? Back when Jesus started his Sermon on the Mount, he gives these Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are are when he says, Blessed are those who are so-and-so, for theirs is. Remember this? He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. He said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is is the kingdom of God. He said, don't think that I've come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill it. He says, for whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments, the commandments, the law, are the righteous ways of God. Whoever relaxes them and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of God, not greatest. It says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to say, You think you're doing pretty well, don't you? Because you've obeyed the commandment that God gave, don't murder. But I tell you, if you've harbored anger in your heart toward your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. He says you think you've done well because you haven't committed adultery against your wife, but I tell you that if you've looked lustfully at a woman other than your wife, you've committed adultery in your, li- in, in your heart. He said, you think you've done well because you haven't broken your contracts that you signed. But I say, even if you told somebody you were going to do something and you didn't do it, you've broken your promises. He said, you think you're pretty generous. But I tell you, you haven't given enough. And you've given so that other people will like you and be impressed by what you give. 
He said, you have not pursued righteousness far enough. He said this to his disciples. Others were listening on. And it's still good for us that you haven't pursued righteousness far enough. And if you think that you have achieved righteousness, the moment that you think that you're really fulfilling this, when it, you're, that you're seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and that you're measuring up to a certain level, you're, you're actually at a greater risk than you were when you thought you were a sinner. When you knew you were a sinner, you've got to recognize this, that my righteousness, that God's righteousness goes far deeper than any of His disciples were comfortable with and than any of us are comfortable with. Now, I hope you're asking the question, now how are you helping me with my anxiety? Because I'm feeling stressed out right now. And here's the answer. Remember when he said, don't be anxious about what you're going to wear, verse 28. But look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. It was Solomon. He was the greatest, wealthiest king in all of the human Israel, the, the, the earthly Israel kingdom, history of the Israel. David was a better king than him, but Solomon ruled a bigger kingdom, had more wealth, had better clothes. Did you say that even Solomon wasn't dressed in as good a dress as these lilies? They're beautiful. But even Solomon's clothes, as well as these lilies of the field, they all have perished. They're all gone. We don't have any of them. Right? They're burned up. The, the worms came and ate them. The sun came and burned up the lilies. The cloth just eventually disintegrated. But I'm clothing you in something that doesn't perish. Something that will never burn up. Something that can relieve you from your stress and anxiety. I'm providing for you something even better than food or drink or clothes. I'm giving you righteousness. I'm giving you innocence from the guilt that you had for breaking these commandments. And I'm going to use this picture. I'm actually dressing you in this righteousness. I'm actually dressing you in clothes that can never be tarnished, can never stain. You know, even kids, when they come with their messy peanut butter and tomato covered hands and they grab onto your yellow shirt cannot mess up this, this, this righteousness, the pureness of those clothes. Nor can any of the worst sins that you've ever committed 
even if you've got blood on your clothes from hitting somebody so hard that they bled, even if you feel like you are dirtier than can ever be cleaned up, Jesus' righteousness is clothing that can never be pulled away from you, never be taken away from you, never be dirtied. And it's also the way that you can approach all these other commandments with a freedom to continue to strive to do these things with the knowledge that Jesus didn't say, blessed are the righteous. Right? Did you notice that? Because if you think you're righteous, you're going down a wrong path. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, when they're trying to be righteous with all of their heart and mind and they're, they're pursuing it and people hate them because they realize that their righteousness exposes their guilt all the more. It never once tells us that you have achieved the righteousness that you need to achieve. He warns us of the danger of that with the Pharisees. He says, you have my righteousness. And it's a righteousness that is good to hunger for. It's a righteousness that can never be taken away from you. And it's a righteousness that frees you up to try to accomplish all the things that I've said are good and perfect things to accomplish. It's an amazing freedom. Let's pray. Father, we confess our anxiety, our stress. We confess that the burden of needing to be righteous on our own is a a burden that we can't carry. And so we're thankful that Jesus has paid the price, has made us righteous by His blood, by His sacrifice. Father, would you remind us of the freedom that we have from anxiety because of Jesus' righteousness? Will you set our mind anew and release us from the deep concerns that cloud our our hearts and our minds, that distract us. And help us to trust in your provision for all of our life. Father, we pray all these things because Jesus taught us to pray the prayer that desires your kingdom, the prayer that asks for your provision, the prayer that asks for you to help us to do your will, and pursue your righteousness. Father, we pray that prayer now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.